There was once a concerned math teacher, and she was, and he was so concerned that his students were just not getting the, the material that he was teaching in class. So in a desperate effort, he sent a note home to his students' parents, and the note read, Dear parents, please do not under any circumstances do the homework that is assigned to your children. The very next day, one student walked up to him and handed him a note from her mother. And this is what the note said. Dear Mr. Wood, thank you for your concern. However, we are so flattered that you think that we would be able to do our child's homework in the first place. <laughs> I figured some of you school teachers would, it would like that joke. But this morning, we are going to share a thought together that just might have the ability to change the way we think about what God has truly called us to be as parents to our children. It might even keep us from allowing ourselves to think that our children woke up all those mornings, all those trying mornings, that, that they woke up with the intention of just wrecking our entire day. Any of us ever feel that way? That sometimes our kids and even our students wake up in the morning just to make us have a bad day and, and, and just wreck our day? And also, it just might reinforce the significant spiritual nature of our roles as Christian parents in the very lives of our children. And how important our roles as Christian parents indeed are. In the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8, Joshua says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Joshua was teaching the, uh, the children of Israel how important it was to learn and live God's law, to obey God's law. And as parents, I don't think we're just dealing with our child's wrong behaviors. I don't think that's the only thing that we're dealing with. But I think we are also dealing with our children's condition. And it's much deeper than getting our children to, well, eat their vegetables or to pick up after themselves or for heaven's sake, stop arguing with us. Have any of us ever caught ourselves saying, if only they would obey, I would be satisfied. If, if only they would listen, I would be happy. However, there is something very important that we as Christian parents and as Christians need to understand. All the resistance that, that we have to deal with, all the arguing back and forth and um, all the foolish choices, the talking back, the, the complaining, the laziness. All the, all the squabbling between siblings is all the fruit of something much deeper. There's something more to it. Our children are not just disobedient. They are disobedient because 
they're lost. And we are imperfect parents raising imperfect little humans. Jesus said it plainly in, in Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And, and do we as parents truly understand the task that God has called us to be when, when, when it comes to, to the lives of our children as Christian parents while dealing with what we deal with on a daily basis? And if we truly understand Jesus' words... This is the role of every Christian. For Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. He was concerned with the lost. Shouldn't we as Christians be concerned about the lost as well? Our children are not just disobedient. They are disobedient because they are sadly indeed lost. And they make foolish choices. Because they're lost. And they have trouble getting along with their siblings because of, of their lostness. So what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, Jesus uses the word lost in very real ways. Very applicable ways. And gives us great examples through his parables. And we're going to study three of those parables today. In Luke chapter 15, so that's where we're going to be today is Luke chapter 15. He uses the lost sheep, the lost coin, and, and the lost son. Each of these parables gives us an element of what the condition of lost is. Lost can mean displaced. Lost can mean dead. Lost can mean defeated. Lost also can mean confused. But by developing more of an understanding of these three parables, it just might give us an idea, once again, of how truly important our jobs as Christians indeed are. Not just as Christian parents, but as Christians as well, what our jobs truly are, and how we too are to see those who are lost. And this morning we're going to go over the three parables once again in, in, in Luke chapter 15 and how we can apply these teachings of Jesus while also taking, taking an active role in the lives of our children as well. The first way that we can apply these teachings of Jesus is just like our children, we all need a shepherd. In Luke chapter 15 verses 1 through 7, this is what it says. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country, and go after the one that is lost, until he finds it? And when he, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. There's a few details here in just these seven verses that, uh, that are definitely worth discussing. How many of us have ever worked with, with sheep 
or know someone that has. Sheep need wisdom, protection, and provisions that only a shepherd can provide for them. Sounds kind of like our children, doesn't it? They need wisdom. They need protection. They need provisions because they cannot provide that for themselves. You see, sheep were designed by our creator to thrive under someone's loving care. Just like our children. They, they thrive under our loving care. And should, and should we ever be irritated or frustrated when it is quite clear just how truly bad our children need us? And the fact that our children need to be supervised, cared for, and sustained by us is wise planning of God himself. And just like sheep need shepherding because they are sheep, our children need parenting because they are little humans. And the needs of our children will interrupt our lives in so many ways, don't they? Our children will interrupt our lives, you see, because there are so many times they will get us up early. Sometimes they'll keep us up late. And sometimes there's interruptions in in the middle of the day and all throughout the day. But they are so dependent on us. And that is why God has called us to be their parents. And sheep are prone to wander. Sheep wander all the time. Because they don't know any better. As are our children, they are so prone to wander. It is the very nature of a sheep to follow blindly another wandering sheep as well. Sound familiar? Do our children sometimes follow blindly other children? Our our children wander because of the sin that dwells within them. They wander away from the protective instruction and the correction and discipline that we as their parents provide for them. They wander away from the protective instruction and the love that we provide. They are influenced by other children and sadly even other adults. And we need to understand that most of the wrong behavior of our children just might not be intentional at all. It might not be intentional or even consciously rebellious. Could it be that the most often or not, their disobedience, once again, is the very fruit of their lostness? So how do we as Christian parents handle this? How do we as Christians act around those who are lost? In Romans 12, 12, uh, the Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Rejoicing, being patient, and in constant prayer. And do we as parents take our children's disobedience personally? And yes, our children will wander and, and, and they will behave this way, not because they want to to drive us crazy or to make war with us as their parents, but because that once again they're lost. And once a sheep has wandered, they are incapable of rescuing themselves. How many times have we had to, per se, come to our child's rescue to stop them from doing something harmful? 
Maybe they've gotten into something that, that, that they should not have gotten into and we have to quickly run over, there, run over and help them. Maybe take something out of their hand to keep them from putting it in their mouth. And that goes on and on. But our children need rescuing from themselves at times. And this is why they need a shepherd. Someone who will look out for them. Someone who will stop what they're doing and go and find them. One who will search for them, find them, and bring them home. We as parents need to look to our shepherd. Not only for our children, but as we look to other lost people as well. In John 21, 3 through 4, it tells us, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we, we will go with you. This is the other disciples. We went out and, and got into the boat, but, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Now you're probably thinking, Adam, why did you just read us a passage about the disciples going fishing? Well, there's something very interesting about what I just read. You see, this was after the crucifixion. This was after the resurrection. The disciples had wandered. They had gone back to do what they were doing before they met Jesus. They had wandered back into their old lifestyle. However, what is more interesting and even encouraging is this. Is that it was Jesus himself who sought them out. Jesus went looking for them. He found them and brought his disciples back to them. And he's still in this business today. How many times has he had to seek us out and bring us back to him? We are to have that same love that our shepherd has for us. Not only for our children and as we raise our children, but towards others who are lost as well. Our children need a shepherd to guide them in life. But we as parents need the same shepherd to guide us and search for us as well. Wouldn't it make sense to look to our shepherd as we parent our children? The second way that we apply these teachings of Jesus is just like our children, we all need God's patience. How many of us have ever prayed for patience? Many times. But check this out. In, in Luke chapter 15, once again, verses 8 through 10, this is what it says. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, now this parable is not necessarily about what it means for a, a coin to be lost. You see, this parable is, is just like the one before it about the lost sheep. It focuses on the one who is searching 
for it. The parable is a very powerful portrayal of God's patient attitude towards all those who are lost. Even though the woman had nine coins after losing the one coin, she intently searched for the one coin until she found it. These short three verses portray the power of compassion and patience that we are called to represent as God's ambassadors in the lives of our children and to all those around us whom we cross paths with each and every day. We need to search diligently when, when our children wander. Patiently, compassionately. Because our children need to be rescued. All lost people need to be rescued. And there was a, and there was a Minnesota radio station there that reported a, a story about a stolen car all the way in California. Okay. I read about this, and at first I'm thinking, why in the world would a news station in, in Minnesota, a radio station in, in Minnesota, be reporting about a stolen car in California? Well, well, for good reason. Because, you see, the police were in an intense search for this vehicle and the driver, even to the point of calling radio stations and placing ads to find them. To contact the thief, hoping that he was listening to to the radio after he stole the car. And there was good reason for this too, because on the front seat of the stolen car was a box of crackers, okay, that unbeknownst to, to the thief had been laced with poison. And the owner of the car had had intended to use the uh, the poison crackers as rat bait. So you can see why the police were searching so intently to find him. And, and also the police and the owner of the car were more interested in apprehending the thief more to save his life. Rather than recovering the car, they were more concerned about finding him than finding the car. And so often when we wander from God, when, when we run from God ourselves, sometimes we feel it is to escape his punishment. When our children run from us to escape their punishment, when they hide secrets from us, when we hide secrets from, from each other to, to elude correction or punishment, are we not also eluding rescue? Are we running from what will save us to bring us back to him? I know we all get aggravated with our, our children at times and even others because they are lost and need our help. That is why we are to live with them with patient hearts. Easier said than done, isn't it? But we are also to celebrate each time that they, they confess to come clean and make the choice to do the right thing. When they come back to us, that's also a, a time of celebration. That's why we need to see God's patience. The third way this morning that, that, that we can apply these teachings of Jesus is that just like our children, we all need God's grace. 
And I'm going to read Luke 15, 11 through 24. But I'm going to read it straight from the Bible. Luke, Luke 15, 11 through 17. Or excuse me, 11 through 24. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his field to feed hogs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread that I perish here with hunger? The light bulb had started to go off. He was remembering. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. There's more to that parable, but right now I want to I focus on the father of that son. You see, this was the longest of the three parables, and for good reason, too. How many examples could, could be seen very, very clearly about what the word loss truly means? Did, did we notice how intent the son was to go out and do what he wanted to do, to go out and do his own thing? To go out and experience the world on his terms. You see, at home he had absolutely everything. He had everything he needed. He had everything that, uh, uh, that he could ever need. He just could not resist the temptation of independence. That is one of the scary components of the lostness of our children. That's one of the scary components of, of, of anyone that's lost. The, the susceptibility to temptation. And there's something dangerous in, inside us all that continuously hooks us into dangerous things that's definitely on the outside of us. And when it's coupled with the susceptibility to temptation, is, and that's the tendency towards self-deception. Self-deception. What this means is that the son in the parable told himself things about himself that were just not true. 
He told himself that he was able to handle what he could not handle. Evidently, he was not ready to be out on his own. To, to, to seek for life for himself. In the same way, our children are always talking to themselves. And what they say to themselves is profoundly important. They tend to tell themselves that they are able to do what no child is independently able to do. Making our jobs as Christian parents so important. That is why it is so important that we as Christian parents train our children to instruct our children, even discipline our children. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, that verse never said that our child wouldn't make mistakes or, or make bad choices. What it did say that when our children are older, they would not depart from this teaching. Sounds like eventually that they're going to have an aha moment. Just like the prodigal son did. They would remember what they had been taught. They would remember the truths that was taught to them. In the parable, the son remembered and he came to his senses. What this means is that all lost people are in danger to, to themselves. And, and, and because they are, they are indeed headed towards destruction, even if they do not realize it. That's why sin is so dangerous. It lies to us. That, that, that's what makes our jobs as Christian parents so essential and even difficult because it lives inside our child. Because sin live, lives inside us all. Our children need authority figures, don't they? They, they need authority figures and they need to be held accountable for the choices they make. However, the father in the parable demonstrated what lost children need the most. What lost people need the most. What the father demonstrated was not criticism, not judgment, not condemnation or punishment. Like the lost son, the, uh, there are those who are lost that, uh, that need compassion, understanding, grace. How else will they learn of God's grace if those whom they are put in their lives to emulate that grace? Where else are they going to learn it except from Christian parents or other Christians that are put into their lives? How wonderful was it to read how the father of the lost son never gave up looking for his wayward son? Did, uh, did we catch that? He not only longed for his son's return, I'm sure, but he looked for his son's return and even expected it. That's why he saw him from such a long way off. And what we need to understand about this parable is, is the wayward son, the one who's lost. Could that be humanity? Each and every one of us. Just like our children, we are lost without God's grace, without God's love. We are in danger to ourselves, just like our children are, are, are in danger, just like those who are lost are, are in danger. We need the compassionate grace of our Heavenly Father. 
Each and every day we are consistently and constantly confronted and challenged by the very lostness of our children and also the lostness of others as well. Of course, they tend to resist authority and they feel the need to have it their way and, 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 and they feel that they can do everything that we can do as their parents, that they're able to do it all themselves. And rules and boundaries are important, but there is one thing that we as parents and Christians need to understand is that rules and boundaries do not have the power to, to deliver our children. From, from this condition in their hearts. It will not save them. It takes the powerful transforming grace of God alone to, to, uh, to transform. As parents, God is using us as a tool of that very grace. As Christians, God is using us as his tool for, for the saving grace. Again, not, not only as Christian parents, but as Christians as well. He is using us to instruct, to mold the lives of others, to follow him. Sounds like he's giving us a, a responsibility. Not just, as, not just as parents, but he's giving us a great responsibility as Christians. To mold the lives of others. How truly important of a task that, that, that that is. However, isn't it encouraging how God uses imperfect people to reach imperfect people? Let's look around this room this morning. Are any of us perfect? No. We're all broken in some way and, and I'm sure that we're all hurting in some way. We all struggle, but the command from Christ remains the same. It says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and, just, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is telling us to go make disciples. And I know that there are some people in this room that are not parents. And so you might be asking yourselves, what does this teaching have to do with me? It has everything to do with you. You see, all three parables Jesus told were about looking for what was lost. The focus was on the one who was doing the seeking. The one who was looking. We all know someone who is lost, don't we? It could be a coworker, Someone that it changes our mood every day when, uh, when we get to work and we see this person's vehicle or, or, or this person walks in the room. It totally changes our mood. Maybe it's that person who is lost. It could be a teammate. For those of you youth that play sports. It could be a friend at school or a friend that, that, uh, that you spend time with. 
Someone who's lost could even be a family member. Our jobs as Christians are very important. And Jesus did not call us to have a relationship with him that is idle. That, that, that's passive. That just sits still. He calls us into a relationship that is very active and purposeful. However, we cannot fulfill our duties as parents and more importantly as Christians without help. That is why we need the shepherd. Someone who is willing to leave the 99 and go and look for the one who is lost. To diligently clean the house looking for what was lost. To anxiously wait and pray for someone to come home when they finally come to their senses. That is why it is so important that we too have God's grace and God's patience. We cannot save our kids. We cannot save others. But that is not what God has called us to do. He has not called us to save them because we can't. He's called us to do something else. Because you see, that is the mission that only Jesus could ever complete. And he's still doing that today. He gives us the very, very important mission of reaching others. As parents and as Christians, it is our jobs and our responsibilities that we are modeling the behavior of a godly lifestyle. That we, our very lives, are imitations of our Savior's love, of grace and patience. We are going to take a few moments right now. Dwayne's going to play, and we're going to take a few moments. Use this time. Maybe there's some things that you need God's help with. Maybe there's some things that, that, uh, that you're struggling with. It, it, it could be a home. It could be at home. Maybe there's some things going on at work that maybe you don't agree with. Or maybe <laughs> there's a certain co-worker that needs patience and needs your grace. Maybe there's some feelings of guilt that, that we may be feeling. Because all these conditions that we deal with others, whether it be our children or others, it's a condition of their hearts. What better way to pray for those people who need a condition of their heart changed?